25th Easter as a lead pastor. I don't say senior pastor anymore, okay? As a lead pastor uh, in this environment, in this, in this place. And uh, I've preached a lot of Easter sermons. And, and that's kind of the pastor's challenge is, is the, the what you know, we call the occasional, the, the sermons related to occasions because when it comes to Christmas and Easter, you have a certain amount of text that you are consigned to work from, and you, your goal is to try to extract from those texts meaning and, and relevance for the season, right? And so we've done so many things, and, but I don't think I've ever talked about Easter eggs. And, and so this, I, 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 and I certainly have never talked about Easter bunnies. I, I know that to be a fact. I don't know about, the, I think I've never, but, but I want to talk this morning about the ultimate Easter egg hunt. And don't worry, that's not an event that's taking place after this service. But uh, I will look at Matthew 28, 1 through 6 for a little, a little orientation. In fact, let me just read that, those verses for you. It reads like this. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. I remember Easter as a child in my time coming up, it, there was probably more pageantry and more, more of a celebratory spirit in some of the churches that I grew up in, particularly in my original church as a kid, than, than we experience now. I remember, and I always enjoyed the time, I, you know, you always had to wear a new suit, um, you know, and uh, I, have a, I couldn't find it. I, I, had, there, I have a lot of pictures of me in suits as a kid, because, and then you get to see me like twice a year in a suit here, but uh, I... Um, I was, you know, my dad always dressed me up in cool little clothes, you know. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to my grandson is here for his first Easter this morning. Max, he's asleep, don't wake him up. And, uh, and Max's other grandmother, Phyllis Funches, is here. Camille's mom, welcome to you, good to see you. I always embarrass her. But, but, but the Maxster is back there, and I, I put him to sleep before I even started preaching. But I remember Easter, right? And I would always have, and I had a picture of me, and I have my little suit on, and I have my little grin from ear to ear. I was always grinning as a child. I wish it was that way now, right? And I'm cross, and I have some Easter eggs around me, and I guess I was happy because of something. But I, I remember it. I remember the times at church. I remember the big dinners. Did I say big dinner? Big breakfasts. And, you know, and of course, the Easter eggs. I don't know if that's a big deal to kids now, but when I was coming up, it was. Is it still a big deal? I, I haven't been a kid for a few days, but a matter of fact, there's a story that says that a, a Sunday school teacher asked her uh, Sunday school class, little children, she said, what's the, what's the, what, what is the most important part of Easter to you? And one of the kids said, well, the most, one of the most uh, significant things about Easter to me is that for the next two weeks, we eat, you know, have to eat egg salad at home. <laughs> I remember the process of dyeing the eggs, right, you know? And I'm one of those people, I remember, I remember the smells of things. I'm weird like that, my wife will tell you. I remember, and so when I, when I think of things in the past, like, 
crazy stuff. Like I remember when I started playing Hammond B3 organs when I was, you know, in like years ago. I remember the smell of the wood and the pl there's a certain smell those things have. They're old, you know, many of them. I remember there's just places I've gone and I just I can always and I remember the, you know that dye stuff that, that they use. The, there's vinegar. I guess I remember that. I remember watching my mother do it. I remember the little boxes and and then the eggs coming out in all kinds of different ways. And then I tried to do something they didn't look that good. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, of course, then there were the chocolate ones, which even were, you know, an improvement on the original ones. But I remember that process, and uh, I had no idea where the eggs, you know, what the meaning of the eggs were. I just knew that the ones that we were eating came from chickens, and I didn't know any of the issues surrounding all of that or any of the controversy, but I just knew that I enjoyed it as a child. And I never for Now, understand this, because some of our ancestors in the church we're a little bit wiser than we have tended to be in recent uh, years in that. Because I, I know some of you have come out of parts of the church where you folks got kind of hardcore. said, we don't celebrate no Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. See, I, I, I told some of my leadership team, I said, please, you can call it Easter. Because first of all, it's two syllables rather than six. You ever try to put the sign out front and put Resurrection Sunday? So we know what it is. And what happens is some of our ancient uh, uh, friends in, in the church, they, they said, you know, what we'll do is we're in this pagan culture, and what we'll do is, we, you know, these are the holidays and the festivals. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of adopt some of the, some of the, the cultural uh, framework, and we'll attach this Christian meaning to it, and we, we will seize it and use it to communicate the gospel to people in the world around us. So that's why I don't get all bent out of shape about stuff. That I, I, you know, I'm years old and I never thought about, I, I never for once thought about fertility cults or, you know, I never associated uh, the, the Easter eggs in my basket with paganism. I didn't go out and worship the devil when I was a child and dance around the basket or something. You know, I understood what it was about and I know many, most all of you did as well. Um, but, but the, you know, it, the, it provides a bridge to get people to Jesus and in ancient times, you know, in, in, in the Roman setting there in the early centuries of the church, so that they used that festival, they, you know, the, some of the surrounding images, but they were given new meaning. The bunnies aren't a big deal. The eggs aren't a big deal, but they're just something that we do. And, but there's another, uh, there's another dimension to that, and that is that uh, from the Jewish context, uh, you know, J Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem, we celebrated last week with the triumphal entry, and, and he came there to celebrate the Passover, and the, the Last Supper was celebrated by Jesus and his disciples. It was a Passover meal. It was a cedar Passover meal, and for the Passover meal, one of the ritual foods arranged on everybody's plate is a hard-boiled egg, and, uh, and it symbolized the uh, ritual sacrifice made in the temple. As a matter of fact, after the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., the, uh, the, this hard-boiled egg became a kind of mourner's reminder because uh, since the temple was destroyed, there was no longer any temple sacrifice, and it was kind of a mournful reminder of what was gone. And in Orthodox Judaism, even today, hard-boiled eggs are still offered to mourners as their first food after a funeral. So it has multiple meanings. Um, but as a cheery, cherub-faced kid, I, I didn't, uh, I could have cared less. Uh, I, I love the, the, I, I love the, the eggs, and I love the, Easter egg hunts and all that stuff. Then later on, I remember uh, in, a, in the late 80s, early, no, the early 90s, because um, some of my 
friends here were involved in this. As I was in, we were getting into computers and I had this game and uh, we fought about it at the time because it was, it was an aviation, it was an F-A-18 Hornet. We, and we, we made sure people understood, it's not a game, it's a simulator, right? <laughs> this was right after Desert Storm and so we flew around in this thing. It was, at the time, this was a new thing, right? And we flew around in this little virtual world and we blew up things and shot down other planes or got shot down. I tend to get shot down a lot. But I discovered something that you know, many of you know of in software, and that is that developers, uh, programmers place what are called Easter eggs in certain programs. They're little hidden things that, little hidden surprises, little, little perks, little things. And in the case of the FA-18 Hornet simulator game, it was, uh, if you flew, you know, you had this virtual area and you had the map of, you know, it was in Baghdad back in the early 90s and you're flying and, but then you get to the end of the, where the, you're supposed to be and it just, it'll just kind of keep going. But then you get to this one spot and you find these like, these, these uh, hot air balloons all colorful and stuff. Like, oh, I found the Easter egg, you know. There's stuff that, that you search for maybe and that you're looking for it. You find somewhere on the outskirts and, you, and so, and that term was, was attached to that because it's kind of like the, the thing that we do. We send our children on the proverbial Easter egg hunt. Now, let me just say this. What, what, I'm, what I'm getting at this morning simply is, is this, that isn't it true? I think you would agree with me that there are aspects of our lives that are very much like this thing we call an Easter egg hunt. And, and maybe we could refer to the process of living in the world, as you and I do, as the ultimate Easter egg hunt. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like we're always searching and looking for that certain something. Sometimes that certain someone. We, we're looking here and there in the world around us trying to find some sort of fulfillment, trying to find meaning in life. And, and that search, that struggle is reflected in, 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 our, in, our, in our culture, in the world around us, in our art, in our, in our music, in everything we do. That search is ongoing. And, and we're, we find as human beings, we're always in search of something that will fill the emptiness of our hearts, something that will turn this empty shell of a life that God has given us into something filled with meaning and significance. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so we look behind this rock and under that tree and over here in this lawn and this place and that place. We work hard. We struggle. We strive. We, we, we achieve. We attain. We seek. And the women came to the tomb we read about today early on Sunday morning. Like, you got up early this morning. And they came focused on mourning, but their mourning was turned to, to, to rejoicing as they discovered that the body was not there. But they came to that tomb. They came expecting a full tomb, and instead they found an empty tomb. Amen. Amen. And, and they were prepared to address the body, and they were prepared to, to prepare it for the final burial, but they found that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was alive and was now living a resurrected life. Uh, Easter eggs, uh, with their all the beautiful bright colors and designs that decorated shells. One thing about them, and I, we probably have some back here, I guess, that they are meant ultimately to be broken, to be peeled, to be revealed, if you will. Uh, if, if, if your child finds some eggs at the Easter egg hunt somewhere, uh, 
Don't let them take them home and put them in their room on the bookshelf and leave them there for, for some sort of exhibition or for next year. They are not collector's items. They are food. They're meant to be broken. They're meant to be open. And so in, in the case of, of our lives as well, God, by the power of the resurrection, uh, breaks off the shell of sin and death over our lives and so that we can be freed from the prison of death. And, and as we follow the women in the gospel, we, you know, this will happen in our lives. Our search will lead us where it led them. And it led them to an empty tomb. And it's at the empty, empty tomb where we find full heart. We exchange at the empty tomb, the emptiness of our past, the, the emptiness of our, of our prior experience, we exchange that for the fullness of Christ. Matthew 28, 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus. In John 20, 15, woman, what, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? They were hunting for a body, but they found an empty tomb that brought them and the rest of us, you and me. The empty tomb has brought to us full hearts and fulfilled lives. They were hunting for a body. They, were, they found an empty tomb that, that made all the difference in the world. And so today we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, who's indescribable and amazing and awesome. We celebrate the fact that our quest, our Easter egg hunt, if you will, our search, our journey has led us, likewise, to an empty tomb. It just says that Easter egg that your child finds has to be ultimately broken the tomb had to be broken open so that Jesus could be released from the bonds of the grave. Amen. Now, if I've got a basket full of Easter eggs, you know, just humor me for a moment. If I've got a basket full of Easter eggs, if I've got a full basket and they are unbroken, unopened, then what happens is I have an empty stomach because the eggs are full. If full shells means what? Empty stomach. But if those shells have been broken and if I have around me a pile of eggshells, then since they have been broken, then I would have been filled. Well, the tomb has been broken open. The tomb has been burst open. Jesus has risen from the grave, and therefore, you and I have found fulfillment. Our lives, our hearts have been filled. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. He says, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You're hungry. You're empty. You're still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, most miserable. You get what he's saying? If the tomb had not been opened, if the stone had not been rolled away, if Christ had not risen from the grave, you and I are in a world of hurt. We're in deep trouble. We are up a creek without a paddle. We are without hope, without help in the world. But he says this. He goes on to say, but Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruit of those who've fallen asleep. And so an empty tomb, like an empty shell means a full stomach, an empty tomb means an a full heart, a full life, an empty tomb means a fulfilled and realized destiny as we place our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross that culminates on this day as we celebrate 
the emptying of that tomb, the resurrection of Christ. And so this morning, we join not, you know, we join not only with each other, and, I, and Greg, I really appreciate what you said this morning about the, the, the benefit and the blessing of coming together as community, but we join with Christians around the world in celebration of this empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But let me go just a little further. <clears throat> if you go to John's Gospel, in the first chapter, verse 38, the first words that John records Jesus saying, and he speaks these words to Andrew and to another one of John the Baptist's disciples, this is the first thing that Jesus says. He says, he, he poses a question. He says, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I want to ask you that question this morning because let's take this back you know, we understand that, you know, the empty egg represents the empty tomb, and we understand that the empty tomb means that our lives have been fulfilled. We understand that life is, is somewhat, you know, that this Easter egg hunt thing is somewhat analogous to the way that we live our lives because it seems like we're always on the prowl for something, for something more, for something better, for meaningful, for, for fulfillment. And, and there are some of you this morning. You've got your little basket, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you're out and about, and you're, you're, on, you're on, on the prowl, and you're on the hunt, and you're searching. You're looking here and there. Samuel Jackson asks you what's in your wallet. Tell him a credit card with an interest rate, rate that's through the roof. Uh, but somebody may, say, what, may ask you, what's in your basket? That'd be hard to say that in, a Sam, in that kind of macho. What's in your basket? <coughs> you know, baskets are kind of, you know. But, but really, you've got your basket, and you're out, and you're doing your thing, you're on the hunt. But the question would be, what are you, what are we really seeking? What are we really going after? What are we looking for? Because for some of you here this morning, you have been looking under every rock, behind every tree, here and there, searching everywhere. And I, I want to say, what are you looking for? We search through relationships, don't we? We, we, we search through hobbies. We search through, through, our, through, through habits, through happenings, through through all of the different things that we engage in life, some of us have gone from one thing to the other, haven't we? You know what I'm talking about. One pursuit, this, that, or the other. One relationship to the next, right? Sometimes one addiction to the other. Hello. And, and you're on the lawn, so to speak, with a basket in your hand, uh, but you're not looking for brightly colored eggs. You're looking for something that would bring some meaning to your life, something that will make your life make sense, something that will make your life work worthwhile, something that will bring some kind of fulfillment to your existence. But what is it that you're seeking? I'm going to ruin your game for you. Because, see, as a preacher, one of the things on my job description says you are, you, you know, we, we tend to spoil stories. So I'm going to tell you, this is, this is what I know what you're looking for. You may not know what you've been seeking. You, you may not know what you've been searching for, but I know what you've been searching for. I, I could say, well, you're in search of meaning, and I've said that, I've suggested that, but that is only symptomatic of the deeper search that we are all engaged in, particularly until we find that empty tomb for real and for good. Blaise Pascal sums it up like this. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim 
but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since, hear this, this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, God himself. Our search, our ultimate Easter egg hunt, our quest in life, we think we're looking for companionship, and we are to a degree, but the, the greater thing behind that is that we are all searching for God. We, we were created by God to have fellowship with God and to become like God, and we're searching for our creator to be reconciled with him. We sang about that this morning. We said, living he loved me, dying he saved me. And we talked about the fact that rising he justified me, freed me forever. We're looking for God, and the question is, where is God found? It's no mystery. God is found in the person of one Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who shows us who God is and what God is like. Jesus has demonstrated for you and me God's love for us. God's love is ultimately expressed by his dying, Jesus dying on the cross. God is a God who loves us to the extent that he, that his love, as we sang this morning, ran red. And I said the other night, I don't understand all of the nuances, all of the theological implications of the, the blood of Jesus and the blood sacrifice. I know what the Bible says. I know what, the, what is written about. I've read so much, but I don't understand the the intricacies of it, but the only thing I know this morning as I stand before you is I'm glad that Jesus died in my place. The one thing I know this morning, I can say like Andre Crouch said years ago, I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life, but oh, I am so glad that he did. We find God in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, but we find God as well at the mouth of an empty tomb, not within the tomb, but on the outside of the tomb. If you're looking for him in the tomb, you're not going to find him there. We sang it this morning, I serve a risen Savior. You find him on the outside of an empty tomb. Real life is found at the mouth of an empty tomb where death has been conquered and, over, and sin overcome, where Satan has been defeated, and where Jesus has snatched from the enemy the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He snatched it out of his hands. Every year as we celebrate Easter, it reminds it, us, and it should remind you as a child of God of this, that the hunt, the ultimate Easter egg hunt for you and me has ended, and we have found what it is we were seeking, or rather we found who it is we were seeking. We found God in the person of our crucified, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what is our response to these things this morning? First of all, it's a reminder, because what happens, and the reason why this is, this is appropriate for someone maybe who's not made a faith commitment to Jesus, but it's appropriate for all of us. You know why? Because some of us who have found Christ still find ourselves restless, searching, longing, as though what we've got is not enough, and as though there's something else somewhere else that we might need. Some, some people are telling, telling us that your simple faith in Christ and your belief system is not enough. You need this other thing. There are, some, there are, people, there are things inside of you that sometimes are saying, I know I'm a Christian, but, but I've got these ego needs because I'm just, you know, I was, I was chumped so bad as a kid. I just got to show everybody that I'm really special, you know. But there's there's a, a myriad of things, of, 
where we, we, we find ourselves feeling incomplete and, and, and as though we're unfulfilled, though we have, we have what it is that all of the, all of the people of all the ages throughout all history, we, we have what everybody's looking for. You have it. And so what we do is, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate the empty tomb, we rest in the finished work. Rest in the fact that when Jesus died, and we commemorated this on Friday night, he hung his head and died on the cross. He, the three words he said that make all the difference in the world, what are those three words? I said there are three words that he spoke that made all the difference in the world for us. What are those three words? It is finished. And when Jesus says it is finished, baby, it's done. See, if I tell you something's finished, it might not quite be done. There were a few things this morning we weren't quite, we had to quite finish. But, but and, and, and I may tell you the job is, you know, your mechanic is like that when you take your car to the shop and you say, oh, it's done, it's finished. And you get there and he's still over, it'll be done in about two hours. But when Jesus said it is finished, it is finished for real. It is done. In other words, there is nothing to add to this finished work. That empty tomb means that everything that's needed for your salvation, Peter put it like this. He said, God has given to us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Everything. It is done. And so, you know, put away your basket. Oh, Forget the hunt. Forget the search. It's over. Rest in the fact that you have in God, in Christ, everything that you could ever need, everything that your life ever requires. Rest in the finished work. Quit searching and allow the word of God and the worship of God and the things of God to quell that restlessness that, that sometimes seizes us as believers. You know, some of, you, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes why we can't we get God to plug us into an, into a community of believers, and after a little while, I don't know. I just feel kind of antsy. I just feel something. What do you feel? I don't know. I just feel something. I I I, I got I, I I learned about my feelings. There are unreliable people in my life, in my life, but the most unreliable entity in my life of all are my feelings. My feelings are helpful indicators of kind of what's going on inside of me, but you know what? They're very unreliable as a guide to my behavior and my choices. They lie to me. They take me places I don't really need to go. They take me places in ways that defy the facts of the truth of the Word of God and, and what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. So, so I, I have to get my feelings in check, and, and, and I tell my soul, soul, quit. We, we're not searching no more. We're not, we don't have to go out on the hunt no more. We're not on the prowl no more. We found what, 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 what humanity is searching for, the desire of the ages. His name is Jesus Everything we need is in him. And if you're one of those Christians that you, you're riddled with guilt, this is another aspect of it. And so, you, you know, because some of you came up among Christians where your, your best was never good enough. They tell you, you it's a sin to wear pants, and so you wore a dress, and that a dress too short, and then you wore it long, but that one too long. Those songs are too slow, and the fast ones are too, you know. You, you know, and so... And some of, us, some of us have had a difficult time, and we, if, you come up, if you come through legalism, you have a difficult time shaking that. But I want you to remember what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 1. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, the empty tomb means that your, 
your, your sins have been, have been placed on Christ. They are gone, and Christ has risen victorious over death and victorious over sin, and you have been justified. That means that you are declared righteous by God, and so quit trying to earn what has already been given to you freely. Stand fast in the liberty in which Christ has set you free. Stand on the promises of God and know that the hunt is over and you found the ultimate Easter egg, the life of God in Christ, the abundant full life that God has promised us. And we found that whenever we're experiencing longing and needs and questions, I just, as, I, as I bring this to a close this morning, remember these words from Jesus. And this is from Luke 11, 9 through 13. Similar words are rendered in Matthew 7. And this is what Jesus says. Now, the, 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 the ultimate hunt is over. Your basket is full. Your heart is full. Your little tummy is full. You've been filled and fulfilled. Paul, in Colossians, he says, we've been given full. Paul puts it like this in, Gal in, in Colossians, he says. I say Colossians. I just conflated the two. Paul says this. In, in Christ... All of the fullness of Father God dwells. All of the fullness of the, of, of, the, of the Trinity, of the triune God, dwells in Christ bodily. In other words, when Christ, Christ in his being, all that God is, all that the triune God is, dwells in him. And he says, and guess what? Christ dwells in you. So then, by extension, obviously, you are complete in him. He is the head of all principles. See, what the resurrection was about, it was establishing the fact that he is the head of all principalities and power. He rose from the grave with all power in his hand. He says, since, he, since, since that's the case, then you are complete in God. But listen, uh, Jesus says, he says, I say to you, the, the, the search is over, but when you have a need in your life and when you have a concern, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now listen to this. Well, this kind of takes us back around thematically. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Now Charles, you're, you're, I'm proud of you, son. You're a wonderful dad. And I know you wouldn't give Max a snake if he asked for a fish. Because I never did that to you. May give you tuna fish out of a can, you know. But, but listen, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. And Jesus goes on, if, 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 let me paraphrase the rest of it so I can get through it quick. If y'all being evil, because y'all are sinners, saved by grace, if y'all being bro broken, evil human beings, know how to give good things to your kids, don't you think God's going to give good things to his kids? And, and the thing about it is, it, though the search is over, when you have a need and a concern, the wonderful thing about, about life, in the, living in the light of the resurrection, is that God will not play games with you. God will not play the bait and switch, okey-doke, switcheroo. God, I asked you for joy, and you gave me uh, unimaginable pain. Yeah, there's pain that comes with the Christian life. There's suffering. But, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, God's always got this kind of backhanded kind of thing. I asked God for, I asked God for um, you know, I was going to use a bad illustration. <laughs> I think I'll use it. <laughs> Somebody say, I asked God for a good wife, and he gave me this one. <laughs> and, I'm, and you know I you know I ain't. But you know what I'm talking about? We, we ask God for something, and we, got, and we look at what we have. God, I mean, really? I asked God for, I asked God for a Bentley, and I got a, like a 1987 Yugo. They found me, the last one that is on the road. Oh, 
Oh, but my friends, aren't you glad that Jesus is not some ogre that in your search, he's not going to give you some pretty painted rocks in your Easter basket talking about these are the eggs. He's not going to play games with you. He keeps his promise. He fulfills his word. You can trust him with your life. He knows what you need. He loves you more than you can ever imagine, and he'll fill the deepest needs of your soul. He says to us, come unto me, all you who labor, and all of you who are under the, the weight and the, and the load of sin, and I will give you rest. And so this morning as we celebrate uh, Easter, celebrate with me the, uh, that the great Easter egg hunt of life that you and all, I all started out on, that it is over, it is finished, we found what we were looking for, and it was better than some dyed, hard-boiled eggs. We were looking for an egg so that we could empty the shell, but we found an empty tomb with a risen Savior who has changed our lives, who has made all the difference in the world, who has changed the course of history, and he wants to take up residence in our lives, and he wants to walk with us and talk with us along life's narrow way. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.